we've given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our locations in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Thanks! Good to see you guys this morning. My name's Mitch. If I've not gotten the chance to meet you, I am uh, the executive pastor for Lake Forest Church, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a little while, but I just get the honor of uh, coming and talking to you today about uh, uh, what, it, what do you do in this series of work. But to do this, today is your, if you're a middle schooler or high schooler, man, you are just getting hooked up this sermon, uh, this series, or today. And so I need, uh, I need a volunteer who's a high schooler or a middle schooler school and I need it from this side since Aaron with that side right back there back come on up here and so let's give our friend a hand and so thank you for being brave enough to come up here um, you can turn around and go back and sit down you have a Seahawks shirt on so uh, thank you for being I'm just kidding come on up here uh, you're gonna need this uh, so what's your name Zachary. Zachary how old are you Zachary you're t- the, twelve. That's uh, that's Seahawks all day. What how many points have we got 11, 12, uh, so uh, but uh, Zachary thank you Zachary here's the deal If you're willing to eat five marshmallows, I will pay you $10. Can you do it? You can't. How quickly can you eat five marshmallows? Because I only have 35 minutes. Tell you what, let's go three. If you eat three marshmallows, I will pay you $10. Fair? Fair. Well, you better get going. Okay, let's keep ruin, uh, ruining. Let's keep uh, rooting for Zachary. Eat, eat, go quick. So one, and two. Oh my gosh, ten dollars, man. Okay, while Zachary is eating this, uh, don't throw up now. Just take your time. It's not a time. Li- We're not doing chubby bunny. I need two more middle or high schoolers uh, from this side over here. Come on, involves money, people. Come on, everybody. Okay, now come on. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. You got. You're my friend. Point her. Get your sister. You, both of you. There you go. Both of them. Come on up here. And so, uh, yeah, see, when a sister points you out, you got to point the sister out, too. So, how are you? Come on up. You gotta, come on down here, Zachary. You already finished? How about two more? No, you're done. You made a deal. So, tell us who you are. Kate. This is Kate. Emma. And this is Emma. Okay. So, Kate, actually, I'm going to hold on for you. Emma, if you will eat two marshmallows, I will pay you $10. Will you do that? Okay. Fair? Yep. All right. Kate, if you eat one marshmallow, I'll pay you a fair price. <laughs> fair price. One marshmallow. Fair price. Will you do it? You will? I mean, you, don't be upset. Do you, one marshmallow. Okay, you can do it. All right, I'll pay you a fair price. All right, let's thank Zachary, Kate, and Emma for helping me today. Did y'all eat them? All right, so I made a deal with you guys. So, Kate, fair price, $10. Thank you for eating that marshmallow. Oh, and bad. Thank your sister for inviting you up here. So, uh, Emma, fair price, $10. Thank you very much for eating two marshmallows. Zachary, man, you knocked it out. And so our agreement was $10, right? Thank you for eating their three marshmallows. You good with that $10? Good. Now... To high schoolers and middle schoolers, $10, I don't care what i got to do, I'll make it. If these were three adults uh, in Zach's place, then they would have fought me going, wait a minute, they only ate one. And so you just start negotiating and making this deal with me. So hold on to that as we jump into our passage today. Matthew chapter 20 is what these guys have just illustrated for us. 
And that's where we're going to be. Matthew chapter 20. If you're not familiar uh, with the Bible, Matthew is the first book in the second half of the Bible that's called the New Testament. And we're going to have it up on the screen for you if you don't have your Bibles. But if you do, go ahead and turn to that. But Matthew chapter 20, Jesus is doing what he normally does is he's teaching uh, and he's teaching a large crowd. And this is what he says to him. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius. And now a denarius was a full day's wage. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, hey, you can also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. And so they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. And he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one's hired us, they answered. He said to them, well, you also go work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers, pay them their wages beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were first hired, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, and you... And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat all day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Can you thank our three who illustrated this uh, for us? Thank you, guys. Now, parents do not of them do not be over-spiritual and look at them and say, now you're going to give that back in the offering. No, this was a deal I made for them, and that's their money to do what they want with it. I just busted some mamas and daddies, didn't I? Look at this whole row over here. There you go. That's your sermon today. Now, the rest of this is for everybody else. Okay, so to keep illustrating what we're looking at now, I need, uh, I need one adult to volunteer to let me ask you some questions about your work. Now, here's the deal, adult. There's no money involved. I'm not paying you anything, okay? I need one, of all who, one adult who is willing to let me ask just a few questions about your work. Who, who do it? Come on. Somebody be great. All right, right here. You can stand up right here with us. Tell us who you are. I'm Dave. This is Dave. Can you all thank Dave for being right here in front? Thank you. All right, Dave. So what do you do? I'm a consultant. You are a consultant. Okay, what type of consultant? Management, leadership. Management and leadership. Okay, how long have you been doing this? 34 years. Wow, that's a long time. Why did you first get into uh, consulting? Uh, It paid well to begin with. Okay, it paid well. Okay, which leads to my next question. How much do you make? Uh, A denarius. A denarius. Okay, good answer. Great answer. I like this guy. Leadership consultant right there. So thank you. Now here's what's interesting. 
You had no problem at all when I said, what do you do? You had no problem at all when I asked you how long you've been doing this or why you start into it. But as soon as I asked him the question, how much do you get paid? He looks at me and laughs right in my face. And we all laugh and we actually detour the question a lot of times. It's really, here's what I find really funny. Every week I have people as a pastor come into my office and they come into my office because they need help with something. And they will actually sit in my office with me and tell me some of the darkest, ugliest things in their life. But if I were to ask them, how much do you make? Ooh, pastor, that's crossing the line. I'll tell you about my sin. I'll tell you about the worst things in my life. But how dare you ask me how much I pay or how much I make? It's an interesting question, isn't it? It's really interesting how much this question of how much do you make stirs in us. And the fact that we would answer that in front of other people, no, that's crossing the line. So it's interesting for me because we're going to answer this question today. And we're going to look at this thing of how much do you make and what does it mean around this whole work series of what do you do? And I, I find it funny because uh, it's interesting how we won't answer this question, but how many times during a day we actually ask the question, I wonder how much they make. I wonder how much they make. We look at uh, a person's house. We look at a person's car. We look at their job. We, we look at all of these things and we begin to ask the question, I wonder how much they make. Now, Christmas season is upon us and all the toys and everything are going to come in. Boy, are we going to ask that question a lot. Friday, I bet this question was asked over and over and over in every household. A spouse comes back from Black Friday sales, shows the other spouse how much they bought, and the question is, how much do you think we make? You see, it's a big question. And so here's our question we're going to wrestle today with. Does God care about how much you make? Never thought about that? Does God care about how much you make? Well, some of you would say, yes, because you grew up in church and you're thinking, evidently he cares a ton because that's all my preacher ever talked about. In fact, it was very common where I grew up in eastern North Carolina for a pastor to visit your home, to come into your home, sit down with you, and actually ask you, we need to know how much you make because we as a church need to know how much to expect you to give. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine me walking into your home for the sole purpose of saying, hey, I'm here, I need to know how much that you make because I need to know how much we as a church can expect you to give. I'd never do that. I'd send Aaron to do that, but I'd never do that. Here's something I want you to understand. God does not need your money to build his church. He doesn't. And we're going to talk about why in just a little bit. But again, I asked the question, does God care about how much you make? And some of you would say, well, yes, he does. Because he wants me to provide for my family. It's a responsibility that he's put on me, and I need to provide for my family. So what I make absolutely matters. You work really hard. You make an agreed upon amount of money, and as your family grows, your needs grow. The pressure to make more money also grows. 
And because the needs grow, you can actually grow bitter towards your employer because all of a sudden the effort you're putting in, the amount of money you make, and what your needs are don't seem to line up any longer. And you ask for a raise, but budget cuts don't allow it, and you feel stuck. You can't give up the job because your family needs the money, but you feel stuck and you're tempted to think that God doesn't care about your family or about how much you make, but you carry this pressure for the family that God has given you to be their provider. Here's something I want you to understand. God does not need you to provide for your family. And we're going to talk about why in just a little bit. Does God care about how much you make? Some of you in this room would say yes. Because my financial success will show others that if you trust in God, he will bless you. The Bible talks in numerous places about those that trust the Lord will lack nothing. God provides for them. God watches over them. God provides their every need. God blesses those who trust in him. In fact, the counsel of many biblical passages can leave you with the thinking that my monetary success will show people that I trust God. And the more financial success I have shows and proves that if you trust God, he'll provide for you financially. Here's something I want you to understand. How much you make is never a measurement of how much faith you have. So God does not need your money to build his church. God does not need you to provide for your family. How much you make is never a measurement of how much faith you have. So does God care about how much you make? Absolutely, he cares. He cares deeply about how much you make. It's just not for the reasons you think. And so let's look at this biblical passage that our three youth helped us to grab a hold of again and to see what we learn about how much God cares about how much you make. So you've got the story, you've got the picture. There's a landowner who goes out early in the morning and he hires some guys right there in the first of the morning to come and to work the vineyard and he promises that I will pay you a denarius at the end of the day if you'll come right now and work. And they agree, they're excited, they're happy to have work, to have a job. Later on in the day, he goes back out and he sees about midday, he sees some other people who don't have a job. He says, wait, are you not working? Come, you come work up my field as well and I'll pay you a fair amount. Then he goes out even again as late as one hour left in the workday and he hires a whole nother group of people and he says, if you'll come and work, then I'll pay you what is fair. And they come and they work as well. At the end of the day, He sends his employee out to pay these guys their wages. And he starts with these people who showed up at 5 in the afternoon. And they come and he pays them a denarius. The people who showed up at noon, he come and they pays them a denarius. The people then who were hired first thing in the morning are now a little bothered. But they're thinking, hey, we must be getting paid more. And they showed up and they pay him a denarius as well. And they began to call into question the character of the landowner. Wait a minute. We've been here all day bearing the brunt of the heat, and yet these people who've only been here for one hour, they're getting paid the same? 
And yet the landowner looks at them and he says to them, what, but what do you mean? This is what you agreed to. And they're angry and they're bitter at the landowner saying he's not fair. But yet the landowner looks back and says, why are you questioning whether I'm fair or not? It's fair. It's what you agreed to. But what you're really questioning is my generosity. Are you envious because I am generous? And that's the story that we learn a lot about God's care around how much we make. So here are some things that we can grab from this that I believe Jesus wants us to understand. We learn a lot about the, the landowner in this story. We learn that God himself is the landowner. He owns everything. He owns the land. He owns the money to pay the co-workers. It's all his. We learn that he is also very gracious and he invites many into his work. No matter what, you, what you've done, at, at whatever point you come into this work, he invites all of us. He is so gracious. We also learn that he's always fair to every worker, always keeping his promises, always keeping his agreements. Most important, we learn that God is very, very generous. He is a giver. And all of these things are really important if you've decided, if you're in this room, you've decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. These are so important for us because our call to follow Jesus means that we start taking on the characteristics and the character of the landowner of God himself. But Jesus knows that this is part of our calling and our following, and so he also names some things about us in this passage we learn that we have a tendency to be thankful at first. Then we quickly believe that we are the landowner. And it's easy for us to begin to dictate to God what he should and shouldn't do. And we also have a tendency to compare ourselves to others. That we, we turn our thankfulness into bitterness when we start comparing how much we make to what others around us make. And most important, we learn from this story that our value and worth and God's character are all questioned when we ask, how much do you make? So does God care about how much you make? Absolutely he does. Because how much we make always calls into question God's character and our worth. And anything that calls God's character and our worth into question, God deeply cares because he wants to correct the thinking. Now, I've been a pastor here at Lake Forest for almost 19 years now. It's hard to believe being a 30-year-old. It's weird. <laughs> started young. Now, for the first 15 years of being one of the pastors here, I made a commitment I committed that I do not want to know what any other pastor or any other staff member at this church makes. I don't want to know it. I'm not going to ask the question. I don't want to be entertained by the idea. I'm never, I don't want to know how much they make because I know what would stir in me. As soon as I find out what somebody makes, I then begin to question my value, my worth. And I'm fine with what the agreement is that I made with the church, but as soon as I find out what somebody else makes, that all gets called into question. Do I make too little? No. I make what the agreement is. Do I make too much? No. 
I've made, what the agreement that I've made with Lake Forest Church is. Now, what I am paid is never based off of what others get paid. It's an agreement that I signed. It had nothing to do with others. It's not what, whether I am happy or not, or if I, ever, if, I, if I get unhappy with the agreement, then I have an option to leave it. But it's never based off of what somebody else makes. But the worst thing I could do is to go back on my agreement because of what someone else agreed to. Now, what I love about our church is none of our financials are ever hidden. I can let you know what our financials are. In fact, that's my responsibility now. A few years ago, I became the executive pastor, and my responsibility is I now have to know what everybody makes. And it's my responsibility to make sure that we're doing things right and fair and and, and negotiating all these things in the right way. It's also my responsibility to make sure our policies are healthy and wise. It's my responsibility to make sure we as a church are financially making wise decisions. And we don't hide any of that. So if anybody ever wants to know, we will reveal that. But here's the thing that I appreciate our elders making a commitment to a number of years ago. The only thing that we keep confidential is what each of our staff members make. And here's why. It's to protect our staff. It's to protect our staff because as a staff member, you can begin, once you see what somebody else makes, begin to question and to wonder what my worth and what my value is. And you can easily go against an agreement that was made. And so we don't want to threaten our staff by making them compare. But here's what happens, and this is the other piece of why we do this. It's also to protect our staff from a wide range of views in this size of congregation. We're three churches. We have thousands of families that are a part of Lake Forest Church. Now, here's what I would know. Now, I've been in ministry for 28 years, of which 19 of those have been here. At this point in my career, I could care less if you know how much I make or how much I don't make. But here's what would happen if I came into this congregation and told you what I make. There would be a few of you who would say, okay, that sounds about right. That sounds good. Now, there's going to be just a a couple of you who are going to go, really? We pay him that much? What are we thinking? Now, 95% of you in this room are going to say, that's all we pay him? We should pay him a lot more. And I appreciate that. You guys are very kind. I know that's exactly what you would say. But here's the reality. Every one of us would be tempted to hear what I get paid and make a judgment off of just a little bit of information. And anytime we ask the question about how much they get paid, I wonder how much they get paid. What we are doing is taking a small amount of information and putting a heavy burden on another person, but you're more than anything is putting a judgment on yourself. You begin to value yourself based off of what somebody else makes when you're given just a little bit of information. You see, when you start wondering how much a person makes, it stirs up all kinds of things in you. It reveals shame. It can reveal embarrassment. It can reveal guilt that then begins to question if God really cares about you. It can also reveal pride. 
and arrogance and control, tempting us to think that we no longer need God. We have all that we make. We have all that we have because of me, not because of God. God definitely cares about how much we make. He cares deeply about anything that will cause us to question His character and our worth. How great would it be if the millionaires in this room could actually walk into this room and to tell you, I make millions? Without feeling embarrassed or, or, or feeling prideful or feeling like everybody in the room is going to look at them and go, oh, I wish you'd share some of that with me. That would be our response, wouldn't it? How great would it be if the stay-at-home parent could come in and talk about the sacrifices they choose to make to stay at home without everyone around them wondering, I wonder why they don't go out and make some money. Or without them feeling that they're really not making a contribution if they aren't making money. Or without everybody around them thinking, well, boy, who they're married to, they must be making some money. How great would it be if a person that's in their 40s making a minimum wage would, wouldn't feel like they have to explain their entire story to satisfy somebody's surprise? Look, that's all that you make? How great would it be if you didn't have to wonder daily, is God punishing me because I don't make as much as them? Or, or to wonder, uh, why does God love them more than me? Wouldn't it be great if I never had to feel stuck in a job or grow bitter about a job because that all I feel is I'm just here to do nothing but pay the bills. I lose sight of God's design for work. I even begin to wonder if he cares when my attitude is, you know, it just pays the bills. Wouldn't it be great to know what people around you make without thinking that God loves them or God loves you? more. But we ask this question all the time. I wonder how much they make. Well, I want you to know that God cares deeply about how much you make. But I want to help you to get to the place of appreciating what those around you make and not putting yourself under judgment every time you ask that question or putting somebody else under judgment. And I'm going to give you four principles this morning that if you'll grab a hold of these, I believe will free you from this judgment. The first one that I want you to see is God does not need your money to build his church. Why? Because you are not the land owner. Everything belongs to God. You have no money. What you have already belongs to God. And so when you think about giving back to God, it already belongs to God. And we've got to understand this thinking. And it's also why we believe at, our, at Lake Forest in what God gives us as the principle of what is called tithing, taking and giving the first 10% to the work that God has chosen to do through the church. The church is what God has chosen to be the primary vehicle for taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And he calls us, the ones that he has entrusted, what belongs to him to, to then invest back into that. And it's why in giving the first 10%, it is a way of saying to God, all of this belongs to you. 
And we as a family are going to invest this in the primary work that you're choosing to do as a way of saying, we also will honor you with the other 90%. But God doesn't need your money to build his church. But he's inviting you to be a part of his primary mission to reaching the ends of the earth. And I am so proud of you, Lake Forest for the way that so many of you take God seriously in this and you are laying out in front of him and you are tithing as a way of saying, we're going to trust you with everything. It all belongs to you. Second one, God does not want you to provide for your family. It is God's job to provide for your family. It is not your job to provide, it is your job to be a faithful and responsible worker. You see, you can't take God's responsibility from him. His responsibility is to provide for your family. He does not want your family to trust in you. He wants your family to trust in him. And if you take that responsibility, then they're going to just keep trusting in you and you're going to feel the responsibility of that and you're going to direct it from where that responsibility belongs. It belongs in them trusting God alone. But your call is to be a financial steward, to be smart, to be responsible, to be a faithful worker. And we're called to do that with the other 90% as well. If I choose to live beyond the means that God has provided, I'm not being responsible. If you believe that your employer doesn't pay you fairly, ask for a raise. That's good. That's right. But if they choose to not give it to you, then don't agree to the contract. Stop right there. Move on. Look for an agreement that you would want. But if you do agree to the contractor, be the most faithful worker you can be. And watch God, through your faithfulness to this agreement, provide everything that you need. See, our call is to be faithful to whatever agreement that we put ourselves in. The third thing, how much you make never defines how much faith you have. My faith is always in Jesus. It is never in how much you make. My wife, Virginia, her name is Virginia. She and I spent some days in Kenya, Africa a couple of months ago. And there we had an opportunity to go visit a number of families. One family in particular was in the Maasai tribe. And we visited this mother whose husband died a few years before. But her oldest son, the provider, the protector of the family was murdered the week before by criminals. And we just happened to be there the week after this. On the last day of the week of mourning, we happened to show up there. Can you imagine as a mom what questions about God can come to mind when your main provider, your protector of your home has just been murdered? And the questions of where are you, God? How is this going to play out now? And yet, in her question, she never had the question, how much do you make? It's never even on her radar. But her question is, how, God, are you going to provide? But it was never in this confusing, it was always in this expectation. Now, God, how are you going to provide? I'm going to watch this because I know you will provide. And I'm going to keep my eyes open to seeing how you will provide. 
And she saw it when two people from the other side of the world showed up on her doorstep with a large bag of food to feed her family. How, God, are you going to provide? The landowner is saying, oh, I can provide. I've got a lot of land. I got a lot of workers and watch me do this. And so he sends, here's a picture, he sends us to this family to provide. And it's amazing for me to watch. And she saw how God would provide when my wife and I took the entire family by the hand and we walked all around the border of her property asking God, put your angels all around this home. Put your angels all around this property. Protect this family. Protect them from any harm. Watch over them. And here's my wife uh, with all these children who were there as well that we got to walk around the property and just to pray God's faithfulness over them. She saw how God would provide in our tears after we saw her hope, not in what she makes, but in who God is. And as we longed to have her amount of faith, and yet we, we, she was used when she has nothing to change us who feel like we have everything. And yet we are standing there going, oh, I wish I had your faith. You see, God never measures your level of faith by how much you make. And here's the last principle we need to learn from the parable Jesus tells. The landowner is generous. He also wants us to be generous. When we realize none of what we have belongs to us, when we're responsible stewards with what God has entrusted to us, when our faith rests only in who Jesus is and not in what we make, we can't help but be generous people. We become like the landowner when we focus on how much we give instead of how much we make. This family in Africa who in our eyes had nothing, they gave a lot to us. In fact, the the mother made me this bracelet. She had worked hours and hours on this, knowing we were coming. And so she gave this to me. She gave my wife this beautiful necklace and these beautiful earrings. These are possessions that if she were to sell them in the marketplace, would feed her family for an entire week. Some of us go, well, that's a dumb financial decision. That's irresponsible. No, what was more irresponsible for her is to just be a taker. She wanted to be a giver. And what was most responsible for her is that she knew that her God would provide. And she wanted to also give. You see, when you fall deep in love with the Lord Jesus and you see that the landowner is so generous and he's a giver, you can't help but give. No matter if you think you have nothing, you still have something to give. In fact, when we showed up, this lady wanted to give. And so somehow, I don't know how, she figured out a way to get a crate of Coca-Colas there for us, for her and all the kids to celebrate God's generosity. And here we are celebrating in the middle of Africa, in this middle of everybody with a Coca-Cola. Because she wanted to give. I want to, this next picture, I want to sell it. So if any of you work for Coca-Cola, I want to sell it to Coke um, in order to make money to send back to this family. And so I'm I'm taking bids um, on this picture if you like it. But here's my question. How much do you make? 
From here on, when somebody asks you that question, or when you are tempted to ask that question about somebody, I'd love for you to answer, how much do you make? Enough. I make enough to realize that all I have belongs to God, and I'm just a steward. I make enough to realize that God provides what I and my family needs. I make enough for my faith in Jesus to grow more and more every day if I keep my eyes on him. I make enough to be generous to others around me like my father is generous. I make enough to never, ever question my God's character or my worth. You make enough. And the reason we know this as well is that our father is generous is that as we turn into this Christmas season, we see the generosity of our landowner in that he gave more than enough in his giving of his son, Jesus Christ. We're entering into a season where we turn our eyes to the greatest gift of all, the baby Jesus coming into the world that's in spiritual poverty, a world that is poor, a world that is broken, a world that has no hope, and yet God gives everything he has to it. And in this death of Jesus Christ, 33 years after he is born, he makes right the relationship by paying what we owe in order for us to have a right relationship with God. And he invites all of us into that to receive this gift. Even him, he looks at us and he says, you don't have anything to pay. All you are called to is to receive. And so this morning, that's why we are instructed as the church to remember his death. And so we're going to remember his death in communion this morning as a way of saying God's not calling you to pay. He's calling you to receive. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the greatest gift ever.